0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. Quick housekeeping for you, as per usual. Make sure you rate and review Five Stars on Apple's podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. My YouTube channel, subscribe, Felix Levine. Search it on YouTube. You can subscribe, watch everything in its full video formats, as well as smaller clips and highlights. Um, And I love when you guys reach out to me. Tell me what you do like about the episodes, maybe what you don't like. That's also incredibly helpful. Um, Guests you want to, to see on the show, um so please please reach out to me felixlevine wtg at gmail.com you can find that on my website felix-levine.com or just dm me on instagram uh i usually check those so please please do that um it's really awesome to to hear from you guys and my guest today he is a hell of a personality and a fantastic artist please welcome david drebin Now we're live David it is uh, it is a pleasure to meet you and uh, a pleasure to have you on my show and I'm very ex- we have so many different things that we need that we're going to talk about right now but uh, first and foremost thank you for for taking the time out of your day to, to come on thank you
1: should I be looking this way
0: or this <laughs> you way? can look okay so you have a camera right on you right here
1: oh that's the camera but I thought you, that was the that's camera the moment. wide
0: angle and that's the that's the personal one ah oh okay. how beautiful okay. and so as I as I do with all my guests. I asked him if there's a a little tidbit, a little story, a little something the world does not know about you from what's already been out there that you've put into the ether.
1: I feel like I can understand the essence of another person. Mm -hmm. Like an x-ray. Literally with just a simple glance at them. So, Like I feel like I can look at somebody and just by glancing at them, Mm -hmm. I can tell them things about themselves that they've always wanted other people to know but feel very misunderstood and i feel like i understand people's idiosyncrasies extremely fast in a way that can be shocking
0: okay so not
1: in an arrogant way okay but in a in an empath way
0: so can i challenge you to so what when you first took your first glance at me when you walked out of the car what was some of the things that are that are misunderstood well the
1: first thing i thought about you is that you are so smart beyond your years and i think that people may not take you um seriously because you're like i'm 22 years old but you're really like a 45 year old 22 year old thank you am i
0: right i don't know if it's for me to say josh is nodding but josh see, see <laughs> our producer right here is nodding i just love... something
1: simple just by I shaking your that, hand though. i thought to myself "Ooh, this
0: guy's an interesting guy thank you that means a lot thank you so much um well i hope hey i think if if you're right then then uh i don't know josh josh thinks you're right so uh and i and i trust josh um so there was a lot there's a lot that i want to unpack and i feel like you're what so if i can if i can reciprocate i think that when i first met you you and i think josh would agree with me on this there's a lot going on up here and that i'm very interested in unpacking and i wonder you know on the day-to-day what does uh how would, you, how would you say that your days commence and what, what kind of thoughts kind of spring in when you, when you start your days um, you know, in, in the life of, of an artist and specifically one that has lived in, in New York for, for 30 years. I'm very curious as to uh, what, what your days look like when they begin and, and how they, they go throughout the day.
1: I think it's very important to create an alter ego mm. from who you are and what you're trying to pursue so i wake up every morning and i'm david and i transform myself into a character named david Rebin. Mm. so i have the same routine wherever i go all over the world i have coffee i try to go to the gym and i have to move my body and get hydrated and slowly become this other character in the same way that Clark Kent will turn into Superman mm-hmm. and i I really think it's important to create that alter ego to almost protect you um, emotionally from dealing with the world and trying to convince the world to see you the way you see yourself it's almost like it's almost like how athletes arrive at the stadium, right? dressed one way, and then they get dressed up in their alter ego outfits. Mm. And I think that you become a character, and we're all characters. So for me, it's all about the transformation from one character to another, from David to David Rebin.
0: So, but is that but is that a defense mechanism? Or is it, because you said it was kind of like to protect you from this world, so I don't know if that's um
1: maybe it is a defense mechanism mm. but at the same time i have to because i've worked from home for so many years i have to wake up at home and then walk the streets a little bit and transform my, myself into my office
0: mm, so it's like right.
1: it's like going from the home to the office so it's not it's not really i mean certain people you have defenses up on whether you trust them or not so being with someone like you I felt like I can trust you right away. Yeah. So I don't have any defense mechanism up with you. And when you said to me, are there any topics you don't want to talk about? I said, no, because I trusted you. Yeah. So it all comes down to trust. Right. Everything's trust.
0: Right. But why, so why couldn't you just be the David that wakes up all day?
1: Because I have to transport myself into this other being. It's just, it's my process. It's like, why can't Clark Kent just be Clark Kent? I just, I have to turn myself into this other character. It's almost like I'm naturally a beta person, Mm. a very relaxed person, but I feel like I have to almost be like fake alpha to pursue my dreams in a a very logical way. So I, I wake up beta and turn into alpha only to get back into beta
0: mode by the end of the day. And, but do you like the way you feel when you're trying to be this, quote, fake alpha, as you just said? Well, it's not really fake alpha.
1: It's more like I need to become
0: okay. alpha.
1: I don't like anything that's fake ever. Right. It's who I become during the day. The transformation from one character to another. I don't like anything fake. I like
0: everything real. Does that Does that become tiring, though, to kind of go to and from those different kinds of... Mindsets?
1: No, I find it to be very invigorating mm. and never boring. It's true. Yeah. And what makes me feel good is really sleep, exercise, and hydration. I think 99% of your problems will go away if you have enough sleep, exercise, and hydration. Interesting. And I'm not driven by external validation. I'm driven by my own journey and my relationship with the universe and what i feel like i'm supposed to do in the short life
0: well i think so you know in listening to to some of your your previous podcasts or interviews um i think that you are someone that has this uh just like a true like love for life and love for the journey and i think that your journey specifically from from what i heard you talk about um is quite interesting because i think it kind of is one of those things that uh you know, happened naturally. Um, and in a way, uh, maybe at times wasn't expected. Um, and I'll let you obviously tell your story a little bit better, but, um, you were, you were a waiter for, for many, many, many years and never, you know, I, and and in a lot of ways, um, lived that, that artist lifestyle of, uh, you know, pursuing art, but maybe not expecting it could be your full-time passion, um, until one day it was.
1: The best training for me was working as a waiter from 15 to 30 all over the world because you learn how to make other people happy Mm. and you learn how to deal with people who are often never happy. Mm. And that's why working as a waiter was so great for me. Dealing with celebrities who would complain about their lamb chops being cooked too much or not cooked enough and me wanting to make them happy and then going to the kitchen and the chef getting mad at me and telling me it's cooked fine and I'm trying to figure out how to make the chef happy and make the customers happy and meanwhile I've got 20, 20 other people saying excuse me I want to get a drink and I want this and I got a problem with this and it it really helps you keep your mind sharp and organized and you become a problem solver and and learn how to be compassionate and manage the guest, as opposed to the guest managing you. Mm. And that was great precedence to figure out how to deal with people when I was working as a commercial photographer while I was working as a waiter. So, for my first jobs as a commercial photographer, I would access what I learned as a waiter far more than what I ever learned when I went to Parsons School of Design. Right. People are so impressed that. Ooh, you went to Parsons School of Design in New York. And for me, it's all about the the years I spent working as a waiter. That was the real education, not the education, but working as a waiter and getting fired. I was fired from every single waiter job I ever, ever had. I'll tell you why. Were you a problem? I was a great waiter. But? But if someone didn't give me the right tip, Uh. I would walk outside and I'd say, Excuse me, how was your service tonight? They'd say service was great. I said, how much was your bill? They said $300. And this is, you know, at the time when people would leave cash and coins. And I'd say, well, how come you left me a $2 tip? Wasn't the service great? And I literally would chase them down the street and the man and this happened to me all over the world literally this happened to me in toronto new york it happened for me in sydney australia it happened like literally all of vancouver all over the world it was i was always fired for the same reason (laughs) chasing guests down the street and asking them if they were happy with the service and they were like yeah and i would say well if you were happy with the service why are you giving me such a shitty tip and then they would go And complained to the manager and they're like you're fired i'm like oh i got fired again but being fired was the being fired is a great experience because you learn that it's going to be okay when at the time you don't think it's going to be
0: wait so so this happened at every place
1: pretty much every restaurant i ever worked at i was fired (laughs) yes i'm actually serious it's funny like looking back it's great like it's the same reason
0: every time and you never every time but you never you never thought like all right the tip is what it is, but like I'd rather keep my job.
1: I was living in the moment and I just, I refused to be treated <laughs> like shit. Right. And even now in the business that I'm in now, if someone doesn't treat me right, it's not worth the money to me. I don't want to work with them. And the- I just don't. And there's, you, you have to, in life, teach people how to treat you. Mm. Very important. That's something that I definitely learned when I was a waiter, even when I was fired, I thought, you know what? You can fire me, but I'm going to teach you how to treat me because I really believe in doing the right thing in all situations, doing the right thing and never lying because I don't have a good enough memory to keep the lies going. So I always want to just tell the truth. That's why anything you ask me, ready. I don't want any questions before a podcast. So many people. I like Give me the questions no, I know, I don't before the that. podcast. I, I hate that, too. I don't want any questions. I hate that, too. Just ask me any question. I'm ready. I'm always ready.
0: Was there... So, so w- while you were being a... Com- when did you start uh, commercial photography?
1: I moved to New York in 1994. I went to Parsons, graduated in 1996, and I took... I built a portfolio, and I took my portfolios around New York for a couple years trying to get an agent and i started working commercially in 1998.
0: and you thought like so you never expected that like the photography could be your full-time job
1: i went to school for photography and i thought you know what i love being a waiter i hope that i don't get fired from this job because i know i'm very good at this and i will make photographs during the day because i love making photographs Mm -hmm. and i don't think i could ever make a living doing this so Mm -hmm. i will work as a waiter and i'll make photographs during the day and i was very happy with that i'll never forget i'd saved five thousand dollars as a waiter and and i had hundreds Mm -hmm. underneath my mattress at my apartment in soho and i remember when i saved five thousand dollars i thought i am i'm I'm rich i'm actually rich now so i'm i'm 28 I've got five thousand dollars. i got fifty hundred dollar bills under my mattress. And like I'm I'm I felt satisfied and I felt very rich. And that was a great
0: feeling. Do you like do you like the feeling of of feeling rich? Or why? Or well, hold on a second. Hold on. You-
1: <laughs> I was never driven by money ever. I always thought I was gonna be a waiter. So for me, rich is in relationships. Mm-hmm. I like rich relationships. People ask me where's your favorite place to travel in the world and i always say it's never the places it's always the faces Mm. so being rich is about being okay with yourself internally and not chasing some monetary number which i find to be extremely uninteresting
0: do you so when you're when you're how am
1: i so far as a guest lovely Fantastic. Are you just saying that?
0: You like what, so you like me as a guest? I, do you
1: don't you trust me? I do trust you. I do trust you. So there you but go. you're slick. You're a slick guy. <laughs> don't he's a little bit slick. He's <laughs> slick.
0: Just slick. slick smart
1: smart. <laughs> smart guy.
0: Um no, but what I was so so for you, I guess my question on that is in those relationships um where you that's where you find kind of the richness. Um what is it that you specifically with yours that you're looking for that um, would consist of a, a valuable relationship or not just a valuable but a one that's a meaningful relationship to you?
1: Relationships are like plants and constantly need to be watered. Mm-hmm. I like reciprocal relationships where both people care about the other person's relationship with themselves. I think really great friendships are about caring about each other's relationships with themselves. Like I just met you Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got a very interesting relationship with himself. I'm more interested in what you think about you Mm. than what you think about me. So whenever I meet someone, I, I always think to myself, what does this person think about themselves?
0: Well, I'm curious about what you think about you as well. So maybe you could tell me what you think about you and I'll tell you what I think about me. Okay fun exercise. I don't think. I know I'm a
1: very compassionate person and I look for compassion in other people. Mm. And the key to life for me, and my grandfather always told me this, was to be an empathetic, compassionate person. I'm not a be kind person. I think be kind people are bullshit people. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's all about kindness. I just don't, I don't like those types of people. Because I think that be kind people are generally really nasty people. Mm-hmm. And I like to inspire other people and and try to understand what their goals are with their lives and understand what their passion is for what they want to do in the short lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm a compassionate person. I, I know I am. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's what, what drives me is actually understanding other people and their relationship with themselves. A selfish life is a selfish life, and will never make you happy. Giving will always make you happier than getting. It just will. I like
0: that. It's true. I think. Well, if I have to answer about what I think about myself, I think. Um, I think similarly to you. My mom always said it the best way. She says, um, and she said this. I think in, in describing me uh, a couple years ago, she was. She said. I'm someone that loves to love and I love to be loved. And so I think that that probably describes me the best where I love to make people that I, you know, similarly to you, people that I love um, happy. I love to make them uh, feel good about themselves. And I also, uh, and maybe this is a selfish thing as well. Like I love, I love when there's like, to naturally feel loved, whether it's romantic, whether it's friendships, um, you know, because at the end of the day, exactly what you're saying, you can have all the success in the world, but if you don't have um, some of those relationships and and I think some of those moments, right? Like today, this is a is a is a fantastic moment for me. I'm gonna I'm I'm cherishing it right now, and I'm and I'm very happy that we're doing this. And I think like that for me is far more valuable than um, you know as much as I like money, it, you know, it's it, this is is something that I'll carry with me uh forever you know, and I think all the moments that I'm able to have with my guests or you know even like before we were recording um or with josh when when me and Josh are just having lunch and talking like you know those are those for me are are the moments that uh that I really try to hold on to the most so so i think we're we're kind of on on similar uh pages in that sense agree disagree
1: definitely yeah you're you're a deep guy thank you you're a deep guy and the thing is when I meet people I can always tell if they're a winner or not mm-hmm. like I just tell well that's like, was- like in, in one second I don't care who the person is like it's for me people are either yes or no there's nothing really in between it's either yes or no and the second I got out of the car and I met you on this incredible street in Park Slope Brooklyn I thought this is going to be fun this guy is a definite yes and we're going to break it down and we're going to we're going to just have a real conversation about what what truly motivates and inspires people because I use the art actually to inspire other people. That's my like that's the goal. And the reason why I actually got into this was to at first understand myself and my own imagination and then secondly to try to understand other people. So it's been a real psychological and philosophical process for me since I found
0: photography in 1992. Do you feel like you've been able to, um, yeah, you can, if you want, there's some more water here. Josh will get you some more, but we we have some for now. Um,
1: Josh, can we just fill this up? Is that okay? Do you mind?
0: um, Is that going to be on the podcast right there? Sorry, sorry.
1: We want to make it perfect. (laughs) I'm just going to get a little bit of water right now.
0: Hydration is key, as you said. Thank you. Yes, very Um, key. Yes. Going back to what you just said, do you feel like you've been able to better figure yourself out on this journey, um, you know, through your process of of making art over the years?
1: We all have an imagination and if we don't cater to it, it will destroy us. So I'm able to access my imagination and create art based on thoughts that I have. So I'm able to get it out. The art for me comes from my mind. All my work is my own imagination. Mm So if I look at the eight books that I've created and all the different works that I make, I think that all came from my mind. There's nothing derivative about my thoughts. I'm an original thinker and my work is all based on my own imagination. So when I meet other people, I don't listen to the voice speaking to me. I listen to the voice speaking to them speaking to me. Mm. So as you and I are speaking, I'm actually in your head. Listen, trying to understand the voice speaking to you far more than the voice speaking to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you. A lot. I don't take people generally at face value. I look at them and think, what are you saying to yourself has far more value than what you're saying
0: to me. Are there any moments you can think of where you might have? Because I think this all kind of falls under this theme that you think you have like a genuine curiosity for people, but also like reading people is very. Uh, you know, a key part of your process as a human has. I'm curious if you've ever had any moments where, in your kind of analysis, um, you felt like you were entirely wrong. I love being wrong. Nothing I want more than to be wrong. But like, can you think of like a time where you met somebody or or a, or you were in a situation that you thought one way and it, you were just completely wrong about? This is the way I look at it.
1: I'm kind of like a, a like. How do I say this? I'm not a love doctor, but I feel like I'm a bit of a psycho. Like, I don't know how to... like. I'm more like a psychographer. Part psychologist, okay. part photographer. Okay. I really feel... Someone said to me many years ago, you're a psychographer. And I feel like specialists, like doctors, mm-hmm. rarely misdiagnose patients. If, like, for example, I had a retina detachment. Right. I don't think that my... Ophthalmologist makes errors in judgment when it comes to trying to understand what's going on with someone's retina. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I look at someone and try to understand the essence of their character, because I'm so trained at this. I feel like I'm similar to an ophthalmologist trying to find a diagnosis for someone's retina in the same way trying to understand someone from a psychological point of view. And that's why I see myself more like a psychographer than an artist. I have never introduced myself to anybody ever as an artist. Mm. And I meet so many people, they go, oh my God, it's the artist. What's your name? And I'll say, artist? My name's Artist. Because I think that that's just a stupid way to to label someone right oh that's the artist so i'll just answer in the same way like yeah my name is artist seriously that's my name my name is artist so for me it's more about understanding people psychologically than it is about me and my art and what my art means to me and why i'm an artist i just i don't like artists like that i'm not really like that and i don't really talk about my art I talk more about my process and that's what we're doing right now right. we're speaking about the process far more than the art and, and I love your questions thank you I wish I was interviewing you I actually <laughs> prefer to interview than to be interviewed I, really? I'd like Why to turn this around a little well, bit well you could ask
0: me any, anything you want if, if things if things arise you just are you a Leo no what sign are you uh an Aquarius Aquarius ah okay okay what are you I'm a Leo. You're Leo. Yeah. When's your birthday? August twenty second. Oh. Yeah.
1: I'll be fifty two. I'm thirty years older than you. Thirty years. Wow. And I really love your drive. You got Thank a really you. quiet drive, man. <laughs> Am I right? It's a yeah. quiet drive, but you're driven. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing will stop you. Uh, the why well,
0: try to try to think that
1: nothing will stop you. And I love the name of your podcast. Thank you. Where's this going? I actually made a neon saying, "Where's this going?" Because really? I. I meet these girls and I feel like I have a a little bit of time before they ask where is this going (laughs) so I decided to make a neon that said where is this going because I've had this question many times where is this going and generally I'm like nowhere (laughs) sorry but I just that's how I often feel like this is going absolutely nowhere I'm sorry so I'm gonna make a neon and I'm gonna show it to the world because people find this shit funny yeah (laughs) right so, I know. And especially when I tell them, how did I come up with these neons that I make? Well, that's how I came up with it from a girl saying, where's this going? I'm like, absolutely nowhere, actually. So
0: um, is, would you say that most of uh, your work comes from, or most or all of your work comes from these interactions that you, that you have mostly with people? hundred percent. Yeah. Especially my neons. I'm not a neon artist, but I love making
1: neons. So uh Everything for me happens organically. I'm not really great at preparing. I like to live in the moment, just mm-hmm. like this podcast. Right. I, I specifically asked my, my podcast team to never give me any questions before any podcast. And I always want to be spontaneous in the moment. Right. And I think people who are controlling and want the questions before are not spontaneous. No, I agree. And so when you ask me, is there anything off topic? And no, there's nothing off topic. In fact... All I want to know about anybody mm. is what they don't want to tell me.
0: Right. Same here. That's all I want to know. That's, that's why so, I do this.
1: So so if I were interviewing you, I'd okay. say, okay, all I want to know about you mm-hmm. is what you don't want to tell me. That's all I want to know with anybody that I ever meet. Because people are so rehearsed in their no, conversations. So some will say, hi, how are you? And I don't want to answer unless they ask me five times. <laughs> I don't believe people care how you are. Unless they ask you the same question repeatedly. Really? <laughs> so someone says, hey, how are you? So what do you say? Don't even answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They're like, how are you? Mm-hmm. At but least three times. Okay, you asked me three times. Now I actually think that you care how I am. Right? Has, has anybody ever asked you three times? Well, yeah, when I don't answer. Yeah. <laughs> but mostly no. I think when people say, how are you? They're they're just hoping... Well, that's like a that, greeting. That Not really. No? I think that... Well, greetings, Hi. How are you is, like, high is genuine. How are you is in genuine generally. Because when people ask that them, I how, agree." how are you? That I agree. What, what they really want to know is if you're going to ask them how they're doing. But it always comes back to, <laughs> look, my stepbrother is a very famous rabbi in Passaic, New Jersey. Okay? okay. And he said to me, imagine people are walking with a chain and a sign on the, the chain that says, please make me feel better about myself today uh, every time i meet someone he's always in my mind and i'm looking at the person in front of me with this imaginary chain and sign that says please make me feel a little bit better about myself today
0: i like that i like so, that when you have i feel like when you have that mentality that's uh that's the way to live but wait i what you were saying about you want to know what I don't want to tell you. In reverse, I I I think I I found my question of what I want to ask you that you might not want to initially say. I will
1: answer any question, okay. on any topic.
0: Well, no, it's it's any question. No, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going And I'm only
1: wearing my glasses because it's very bright in here. Yes, and, and I he have has a retinal retina detachment. Prescription, and I had a retina detachment, so I have monovision. It's not to be cool. It's what, I have to wear you do these look glasses. Cool too.
0: Thank you <laughs> um, okay, so my question for you is at what what moments do you feel most vulnerable? Hmm. At
1: what moments do I feel most vulnerable? What's your definition of vulnerability, just so I can make sure we have the same definition? Great question.
0: My definition of vulnerability, I would say is, I guess at, when you're most, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be physically, but it can be physically, but when you are most exposed to, and maybe most, um, uh, sometimes it could be most sensitive or most. Okay. Um, let me ask the question. Okay.
1: I never feel safe. So I Mm. always feel vulnerable. Really? I never feel safe. Why not? I just don't think any success or failure is ever final. And I feel like sometimes I watch the wildlife channel and I look at animals in the Serengeti and they never feel safe. Mm -hmm. So I'm driven by never feeling safe and I'm driven by vulnerability. I'm always vulnerable at all times.
0: Does that scare you?
1: It scares me to not be vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. People are not vulnerable, are not alive. I, I like being nervous. I love being nervous. It's a great feeling being nervous because when you're nervous, you feel alive. I just right. like feeling alive. And I think to be alive is to be vulnerable. Mm. You never know when it's your last breath. True. So I'm always in a vulnerable state. If people say they're not vulnerable, they're not, they're not alive. Just being alive is being vulnerable.
0: And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in US Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass fed and grass finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture raised heritage pork, wild caught seafood and pasture raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com, where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample Now let's get back into it. Do you feel like you make some of the work that you would deem your best work when you are more, quote, nervous or fearful or vulnerable? I used to think I needed to be tortured
1: to make art. But I've got such a bank of experiences in my mind Mm -hmm. that it's best just to do it, like going to the gym. Sometimes you, you have to rev yourself up just to get to the gym. But once you're there, right. it's easy. The hard part is getting there. Right. It's the same thing with with work, with, with making art. I just have to feel it, do it. And it's not really it's not really based on vulnerability. It it's based on the creative process, which is this is a great idea. I think this is a great idea. This is a shit idea. <laughs> I am shit. This might be okay. This is a great idea. Mm. That is generally what drives my creative process to go deep inside and to say, I have a great idea. This idea is great. Only for a moment later to think this is a stupid idea. This is a terrible (laughs) idea. And then I have terrible ideas and I can't believe I even <laughs> do this. And this might be a good idea. I think it's a great idea. What a fantastic idea. And that's the cycle of creativity that really drives me. Not really vulnerability because I'm always in a vulnerable state. Mm. You just never know. You just, you just never know. Nothing's guaranteed except this moment right
0: now. And how do you, like when you look at other people's art, how do you gauge whether you deem it quote good, quote bad um as as an artist yourself,
1: I think what makes a great artist is when they have a highly recognizable style. whether I like the work or not doesn't matter, mm. but it's very obvious, almost like a fact if another artist has their own recognizable style. I respect a recognizable style far more than if I aesthetically like the art or not very important. It's almost like a podcast style. We all have our own style Mm -hmm. and our energy introduces us before we say one word. So when it comes to art, that's what I value. I value uniqueness in a world of copycats. Right.
0: And I think what's also interesting in listening to you now and, and on previous interviews is, um, you have this affinity or this perhaps obsession with winning, like the word winning greatness, which I, which I relate to. And like, I always, when I was younger, you know, it was always like the Kobe Bryant's of the world, like the, the, the greats that always, um, and even if I knew I wasn't going to be Kobe Bryant, um, it was just about, you know, having that kind of like mentality. What is it that, um, for you is, is so important about, um, being either yes or no winner or not, Um, Or great? For me, winning is often
1: getting over losing. Mm. I never feel like I lose. I always feel like I learn. So when you feel like you lose, but you really are learning, that's what winning is to me. It's such a great question. What is winning to you? That's what winning is to me. what's winning
0: yeah exactly
1: i feel like right now like talking to you is winning just having a conversation being in this room look at this incredible room that we're in this is winning to me to be mutually interested in having a deep meaningful spiritually uplifting conversation Mm -hmm. is winning and i find that if i'm ever in spiritually depleting conversations i try to get out of them quickly and i feel like i won by getting out of that conversation (laughs) quickly
0: so winning is learning from losing to me but so but so when it comes to your work um what what does winning look like in that in that regard winning when it comes to my work means
1: being able to create the work that i want to make that's what winning just to be able to do it is winning it's not about being accepted externally it's about being accepted internally because if you lead your life wanting other people to accept you it's like quicksand you'll always be wanting more people to accept you it all starts from self awareness Mm -hmm. and internal validation
0: how does for someone who's perhaps listening to this that feels like they lack in the self-awareness department or lacks internal validation how do you suggest they go about that i think most people
1: care what other people think of them
0: right of course and
1: i think i
0: don't think i know that in
1: your 20s you really care what people think of you Mm -hmm. in your 40s you don't really care what people think of you and in your 60s you realize that no one ever really thought about you anyway (laughs) it's true no yeah so it all comes down to self-belief and the only competition you ever have is with your own possibilities. I really believe that to my core. I want everyone to be successful. People say to me, it must be so competitive in New York. And my answer is always, my biggest competition is my own reflection. I want everyone to be successful. Because then everyone will be happy. Mm -hmm. If they feel successful, But sometimes successful people never feel successful.
0: Do you remember the first moment you felt successful?
1: That's such an interesting question. I mean, I know I'm successful, but I don't really ever feel like I'm successful. And that's what keeps the drive alive. Mm -hmm. So for me, success is more of an emotional thing than it is a financial thing. I just want to have my emotional temperature between seventy and seventy two degrees, just like the room that we're in right <laughs> now. That's what success is to me is is uh, emotional stability.
0: But do you remember the first time that you felt like the, the the feeling that I might I might be that I am successful?
1: The moment for me when I was transitioning from commercial photography to selling my work as art. Mm-hmm. The moment for me when I thought this might actually happen was when I had an exhibition 2004. in two thousand four. In two thousand four, Elton John at Fei Klein Gallery. You know the answer to I questions. I know. Well, okay. Sorry. I love people who ask I questions. I didn't, I didn't. They know the answer. I, I it's to. just because I, I wanted, love that. I just, That's my favorite. <laughs> Please get that. I love it. By the way, I love. I just love that so much. People ask questions. They know the answer too. Yeah. So Elton John bought a bunch of my photographs at a uh, group show I had in L.A. at Fei Klein and. That just that was the external validation that I needed at the time. When you're young, you really need external gratification. But as you get older, you realize that all gratification really comes from yourself internally. It starts with external, and then it evolves into internal. That was the first moment where I felt, okay, this might actually happen for me.
0: Did you feel like... Well, first, were you able to, to meet Elton? No. He just came in and bought?
1: Yeah, he just came into... I mean, I've met many of my heroes. I photographed many of my heroes.
0: Who are some of your biggest heroes? Well, heroes to the world
1: and heroes to me are very different. So I would say that in 1999, I did a editorial on my family and I photographed my mother my father, my stepfather, and my grandmother. And that was the most incredible experience for a editorial for me, to show how I really saw these people mm-hmm. and how I portrayed them in a way that I can control. So in a way, your heroes are and villains are often your own family. But from a world perspective... Some of the celebrities that I photographed when I was first out of school, I mean, I photographed Michael Jordan. I photographed so many big stars. I, I love sports, so I photographed Derek Jeter and Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan, and I photographed s- so many like, I, so many big stars mm-hmm. when, when I was just getting out of school and being a waiter, and I loved being nervous, and I only had five minutes with these people. But they weren't really my heroes. Sometimes when you meet your heroes, you can be a little
0: bit disappointed as well. Were you disappointed by, it? not to, you don't have to name them, but were there, can you recall moments that you were like, damn, I thought they were...
1: Well, so often when you photograph celebrities, which I don't ever do anymore, but when I did do it, you have such a short period of time to get the image. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was always about how they would treat me and if they would go along with my ideas. And they didn't always go along with my ideas. And for me, whether you're famous or not, right. the most important thing for me was always to get the picture that I wanted, regardless of what the subject thought about me. So I was willing to blow up any relationship to get the photograph that I wanted because the picture will always outlast the experience. Mm. And that was always the most important thing for me. Get the photograph, regardless of whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get the picture.
0: I didn't care. But don't really but as you said earlier like the relationships that matters more like that is where you find the um that is where you find like the richness in life so wouldn't doesn't that hold on a second second? hold on hold on
1: when you take a camera Mm -hmm. and you put it in someone's face yeah and you have only five minutes with them that's a very interesting dynamic. It's yeah. a lot different than when you're talking to someone. It's very equal in a conversation. But it's very equal. We, it's you and me and two microphones. But if all of a sudden I put a camera in your face, right. I control the situation. Right. But you might want to control the situation, but you can't because I control it because at the end of the conversation, I take the film home with me. Right. And so there's a bit of a battle between the photographer and the subject because the photographer has all the control, but the subject might want some of the control back. So there's that tension. If you could make an image of that tension, that's a great image. I see. A, a camera's a very confrontational tool. It is. It's very confrontational. It can be. So, the dynamics behind the creation always fascinate me. Mhm. Always fascinate me. It's like a doctor with their tools. You have to submit. When you go to the dentist, you're extremely vulnerable. <laughs> you have to submit you are. to the tools of the dentist. <laughs> no. So if you're going to be in front of me with my camera, don't try to control my camera. Right. And I'm not going to go to the dentist and say, excuse me, don't use that tool. I look better with, 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 with that tool instead of that tool. This is my better angle. Let's use this lens. And I had a lot of that. I was like, listen, if you don't want to do, the way, do it the way I want to do it, I'm just going to leave right now. Cause, and I used to have colossal battles with magazine editors and talent. And I was banned from magazines because I wanted to get the photograph that I wanted to get. I'll tell you. I worked for Entertainment Weekly, and I did this photograph of the Bachelorette. Okay, it's a great story. <laughs> the original Bachelorette, Trista Wren. I flew to L.A. and I made this photograph of her from the back, overlooking L.A. And when I showed it to the magazine, they said to me, "This is a terrible photograph, and we're not going to ever work with you again." And I and I said, "I I really believe in this this photograph." And they said, "No, we don't want it, and we what was don't." The reason work. they didn't they didn't like the picture. Just. And that same picture, I put in my show at Fehi Klein the following year. And not only did Elton John buy that image, <laughs> but my gallery, camera work in Berlin, who I've been with since 2004, a friend of mine told me about this gallery in Berlin, and I called them, and the owner happened to answer the phone. And she said, I can't believe I'm talking to you on the phone right now. I just purchased this image called The Bachelorette from Fahey Klein (laughs) Gallery in Los Angeles. So I took this situation where I was so rejected Mm -hmm. by a magazine with an image that I really loved. And it was embraced as an actual photograph. And it's gone on to be one of my best-selling photographs. So that's how life can sometimes work. You take something that you feel like you failed at, but you know that it was great. And you turn it into a win.
0: Turning things around. Was there one moment that you ever felt like, I'm just not going to be able to do, like, that I'm a, A, maybe I'm a failure. B, that I am not going to be able to do what I dreamed of. Did you ever have moments like that?
1: No, never, never once.
0: You always knew, what did you always know?
1: I always knew that if I was relentless in my pursuit, patience, and had incredible perseverance that things would happen, not necessarily when I wanted them to happen, but they would happen. It's almost like if you go to the gym and you lift weights for one or two days, you're never going to see the results. But mm-hmm. if you go to the gym every day for years, one day you're going to look in the mirror and say, wow, look at the results. Mm-hmm. It's all about effort, consistency, self-belief.
0: But where, when did you... Do you feel like you always had that kind of self-belief, or yeah, because where did that come from?
1: Well, for me, I, I felt, well, I know when you sometimes when you have one parent who really believes in you mm-hmm. and another one who laughs and kind of mocks your dreams, that duality can often lead to incredible success because you got love from one and doubt from another. So what happens is you get a lot of confidence and a lot of fear. And the fear and confidence together can often lead to greatness, and this is not unique to me in any way. But I had that but growing you,
0: up, it, definitely. Where one parent believed and the other
1: didn't. Yeah, my mom made me feel like whatever I wanted to do, I could do, and my dad kind of laughed at my dreams. Definitely. And, and what it? And was, I hope he, I hope he's listening right now too. And what was? Because <laughs> he, I know he listens to this shit.
0: Do uh? Do you have a good relationship with with your dad now?
1: No, we don't talk.
0: Oh. They don't, we don't speak. For that reason? Just kind of... I
1: only want to interact with people who I feel like I can have a trusting relationship with. Mm. And I'm not the first person who had battles with his dad right. in life. There's so many people who use their parents as motivation for their own success. hmm are your parents together?
0: They're not together, no.
1: Has that motivated you?
0: That's a good question. Um, your mom I believe in you? They both believe in me. I, I have to say that. Um, I think, you know, that there's definitely at times uh, moments where specifically my mom, and I think it also become, you know, because they were divorced when I was very young and she had to, uh, you know, she was a single mom at, with a young kid um i think that there's always that like mom's fear like what if this happens or what if that happened you know like the she always wants to make sure that her her baby is is good um but at the end of the day she has tremendous amount of like she sees how i work so it's not like she like i've given her reasons to be <laughs> to be hopeful and to be reassured you're a
1: winner kid thank you're you. such a
0: winner thank you Thank you. Do your questions come rehearsed or no?
1: Do you, so it's all in the moment for you. Oh
0: uh, Yeah. What I do is, uh, truthfully, I, I I try to listen to, um, you know, my guests speak for a lot of reasons. Just to a learn about them, b to kind of understand how they speak, the rhythm, you know, and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then I truly don't. When I first started, I I would write down a lot of the questions. Like Josh, remember, I used to come in here and I'd have like. I'd print out like a couple pages worth of questions and then I stopped doing that because I was just like I like, I like am I them. answering
1: your questions in a direct way
0: I would say for the most part yes but is, it doesn't but I like but, but it, it's like it doesn't have to be the answers don't have to be direct you know what I mean and I feel like the way that you think is, is very like you think about one thing and then another thought about something maybe potentially related comes up and so like I, I enjoy that this is how I feel Okay. I feel like people have to
1: go get what they believe they deserve in life. And that's all I do. And all I've been doing literally from the moment I was born is basically going to get what I believe I deserve in life.
0: But what do you and feel like you deserve?
1: What do I think I deserve? To be myself and to be able to make a living being myself and working for my dreams and not someone else's dreams mm-hmm. and to inspire other people to be great. That's what motivates me. That is my number one motivation in life is to be myself in every way and to inspire other people to be themselves and to live for their dreams. That's my number one motivation.
0: I have a very—I personal question can I ask. You can ask me any. Question. I know, but I know, but I just want to ask me.
1: Go go deep. Go how? dark. Any
0: question you want,
1: I'm ready. Okay. Always.
0: W- when it comes to romantic relationships, how does your philosophy and life how has have you found that that it's translated over into the romantic side? Hmm. hmm.
1: How do I answer that? I don't trust so easily. Hmm. So I think that there are love stories, and I think there are life stories, and I think that I've been more inclined to have love stories than life stories, and I think that now maybe it's a better idea to think about a life story as opposed to a love story. So how do you define each of those? I've had a lot of deep, meaningless relationships that I have documented as art. Hmm. And my real love has been my relationship with my creativity and my imagination. And a lot of the ladies that I interact with often see the result and not the process. And I'm more interested in other people and their process and not the result so because of that i often get myself into very deep very meaningless love stories Mm -hmm. that i can then recreate as art to help me deal with the fact that it's a deep meaningless relationship under the guise of a love story but the best relationships are life stories and not flings or love stories even though flings and love stories are often far more exciting but not as stable as a life story. Mm. I actually believe that true love begins when the sex ends. I really do. There's a great book, The Road Less Traveled, chapter 14, talks about the best relationships truly begin when the sex ends.
0: Or is it or you can't, I can't maintain, maintain the sex. I can make the argument you just can't. the best relationship happens before ear. the sex happens. Sorry. It's a, what do you think about that? Say it again. Do you think because I could yeah. I can maybe make the argument that the best relationship happens before the sex that the a true relationship can happen before the sex happens
1: It it all it all depends. I think I think that it all depends on like male male relationships male female relationships right, it right. all depends on which which way you go and what you're looking for but for me i find that i i look more for trust than anything and sex is a very it's it's just a it's all about trust and not sex for me so i i really believe that the best relationships whenever there's sex involved or money involved right relationships become very tricky and so often Relationships seem to be based on sex and money and that's right. why they get tricky and I don't like tricky. So I
0: don't how do you, want tricky so so I guess my what I'm very curious about is like for you, now that you've I guess through your experiences um come to these certain conclusions, how do you approach it in the future? Like how does how do you assess um how romantically involved you'll get okay, and what do you, you look for? I'll just for? tell you.
1: I don't have an Oedipus complex, but I'm very close to my mother. My mother's beautiful and my mother's charismatic, funny, and very trustworthy. So I look for those qualities in a woman and I just feel like I rarely seem to, I think I subconsciously compare every girl to my mom. Mm. So my mom do my mom and I do everything, but we just we just don't have sex. I don't have sex with my mom, right? I mean, like I love my mom, but so so for me, I, I sometimes look at, look at girls from that angle a little bit. I'm like, right. listen, I'm really close to my mom. She makes me laugh. She's beautiful. We have an amazing relationship, but we don't do that. But maybe we can do that because I already have those aspects of my life already satisfied. So like maybe we could do a little bit of that in, in a way, if if you don't mind. But for me, it's always so important to to build a trust with someone. I'm not I'm not an aggressive person. Uh, Physically, in any way, I'm I'm, uh, aggressive. I can be aggressive mentally, but never physically. And at the end of the day, I believe that... uh, I don't want to talk about gender and people get so sensitive, but I believe that women choose who they want to be with. So I always tell my friends, I'm like, you think she likes you because you're good looking? (laughs) She doesn't. It's all about providing some sort of security for each other. I got to be careful with these topics, but this is actually what I truly believe in. So... It's not a failure if you haven't had a long relationship with, with another person. As long as you have a, a great relationship with yourself because I think people come and go. Mm. So to answer your question, I'm looking forward to more of a life story than a love story, but I'm a little bit addicted to love stories because they fuel the art and my creativity. Mm. Classic case. <laughs> There's nothing unique about me in this regard. It's this a classic case in every way.
0: Do you, how, like, how do you gauge or or measure your own, your own happiness in general? I gauge my own happiness by what
1: we talked about before. Sleep, hydration, and exercise. If, if you give me all the money in the world, and I sleep three hours a night, and I have, have not exercised in three weeks, and I haven't had a glass of water in days, I'll be a miserable person. All
0: right.
1: It really comes down to sleep, water and exercise for me it's so simple but it, it really is true and i tell people this and they get their sleep and they limit their alcohol and they have their water and they go to the gym and they feel great right. i think to feel great is to look great and to look great is to feel great
0: to wrap things up do you do you ever think about legacy and if so what do you hope the, the legacy
1: i think that's just such a you're a great guy But that's such a cliche question that everyone asks everyone on every podcast I've ever listened to ever. Mm. So I think legacy is ego Mm. and I'm not into ego. I live in the moment.
0: But do you you ever think about how you hope to be kind of remembered or, you know, obviously knock on wood in many, many years, but.
1: I think people think about themselves and I'm not going to focus on how other people are going to think about me. Mm. So when it comes to legacy, I think legacy is ego. I don't love ego. I love living in the moment and being grateful to be alive. And I'm extremely aware of my ego and other people's egos. I can cater to other people's egos, but I don't need other people to ever
0: cater to mine. And how do you strip the ego away from... The moment.
1: Do you really want me to answer that question? Yeah. When it comes to men, I think that every man has a board of directors and there are no exceptions. Okay. And there are four board of directors and you have them too. So there's Josh. Penis, ego, mind, and heart. I like to lead with my mind and my heart and really keep my ego and penis in check. And I think a lot of guys lead with their egos and their penises. I really do. And every every single person, man, oh, I, I meet, I'm like, hmm, hello, penis, ego, mind, heart. Which one do you lead with? <laughs> I really think that way. I actually think that way. Because I am all mind and I'm all heart. And I really keep the ego and the penis in check. They're always talking to me ego's like, what about me? Penis is like, well, what about me? I want that feeling. I want that feeling. For me, I'm like, listen, fellas, I'm going to keep you in check. We'll deal with you later, but we're going to be all mind and we're going to be all heart right now. We're going to keep the ego in check and the penis in check. And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to get you. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And and, And you see people get into trouble because their egos and their penises can overpower their hearts and their mind. Are you listening to me? Do you hear I am? what
0: I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I've had many of these conversations, these same exact conversations. Um, but I'm curious like, when you. Because I would have some friends that I will not name that I think lead with. Uh, ego penis. Penis and then ego. Um, how do you. You know, it's it's a struggle for a lot of men. I think to to not leave. Yeah, with because those. they're
1: because they're they're not emotionally intelligent.
0: I agree. That and I so agree. it all
1: comes down to emotional intelligence. I see penises and egos all the time. I think most men are just penises with ears with big egos. <laughs> I really do. No, yeah. this is actually how I really think. And I look at the board of directors, <laughs> and when I think about legacy, people answer that question. With their ego and for me i want to answer it with my mind which is that i'm very grateful that i've been able to pursue my dreams mm-hmm. i've been lucky enough to have great mentors along the way and i love to also mentor other people who are young and full of big dreams and let them know that the possibilities for greatness are endless as long as they believe in themselves and their journey,
0: I think enough said well thank you uh seriously thank you so much for for taking the time and coming on and um and every, and I'll obviously link everything for for people to find you on your website and your social medias and all of that good stuff but uh sincerely a a pleasure and I could I could talk to you for hours unfortunately we don't have the hours today maybe a, another day but um but thank you so much for for taking the time David thank you.